everyone. This is data driven Formula One with Patrick Hansen gonna be grabbing. Hi, Patrick. Hello, Gana. Hello, all. All right. So today we're discussing 1985 season. Very exciting season. Exactly. And we are already in the middle of the 1980s. Let's start as always with a short uh, season in a nutshell. A lot of different names, different fastest laps, different uh, drivers, and uh, different winning constructors. Yeah, and um, I just want to say that if you look at the pole position, position you um, you notice one name <laughs> more than more than others, which is Ayrton Senna, and yeah, uh, yeah we'll we'll talk about uh, him a lot. And, uh, you know, this is again, uh, the story about how, you know, pole positions do not necessarily convert into wins. Um, yeah. and yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that today. Exactly. And, uh, this could be for various reasons as uh, it could be the driver, uh, who is fast, but not, uh, reliable, especially if, if it's a younger uh, driver and, uh, Maybe most likely that the car is fast, but not uh, uh, reliable. And uh, um, we have to consider that we are in the turbo uh, area. So uh, I remember uh, various times in the last two laps, we saw a lot of people parking on the left and right because they were just uh, running out of uh, gas. Nevertheless, uh, it was also from a logistic point an interesting uh, season because uh, six Grand Prix had been uh, cancelled, starting with the Dallas uh, Grand Prix, this to missing a sustainable financial um, uh, financial plan. The Japanese uh, GP, uh, due to missing time uh, to update the Suzuka racetrack, New York, uh, this would have been a quite interesting uh, Grand Prix matching uh, Formula One cars driving through Manhattan. Same problem as Dallas, uh, no real financial uh, plan. The Hungarian uh, Grand Prix, and we are still in uh, the middle of the uh, Cold War. I mean, we had the Iron Curtain. Hungary had been the first country a little bit open up uh, to the West, the first one uh, to have a Formula One Grand Prix not working out in 1985 but uh, then already next year we would have seen we will see the first grand prix in hungary the spanish uh, grand prix uh, again with organizational problems if you are listening to or seeing this podcast since the 1950s you saw uh, you remember we had various issues in the spanish grand prix and uh, maybe the most um, Sad uh, reason, the Mexican uh, Grand Prix uh, due to the earthquake. It was really a very heavy earthquake, magnitude uh, 8.0, and uh, approximately uh, 500 uh, dead uh, people in the city of Mexico. And on the right, for example, you see some of the uh, collapsed uh, building. Uh, even today, uh, in some very few areas of the city, you can see... Um, the results of the uh, earthquakes, even if the city was uh, completely uh, renewed uh, since then. But some, if you look around in some very, very, very few spots, you can still see a damaged uh, building. So that is the reason why we don't have the Mexican um, Grand Prix um, this year on the calendar. And besides mm -hmm. this, uh, oh, yes, sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to say that uh, if we look at uh, the um, American Grand Prix, I think uh, the reasons, uh, of course, uh, like the sponsorships are not there, but I guess the sponsorships are not there because uh, even now uh, in Europe, uh, Formula One is a lot more popular than in, in the US because the US has other things. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, like I, I remember... Uh, when I lived in New York, it was always uh, a problem to find uh, a pub or a bar with uh, <laughs> with TV <laughs> that would show um, Formula One. Yeah, so so yeah, I think it's it's primarily that that problem that you know it just doesn't have enough following in the U.S. 
Yes, and uh, this uh, being here in the US, I think this is uh, slowly uh, changing. I mean, we mm -hmm. had this over the last uh, decade or the last five years where uh, football or soccer, as they call it here, became really uh, uh, trending. Uh, for example, here in Atlanta, the matches are practically most of the times uh, outsold. So uh, soccer really uh, got uh, a drive in the country. Of course, also um, supported by uh, more uh, foreigners, more immigration from Europe, um, also uh, Latin America, Asia. And I think especially uh, Netflix, the Drive to Survive series, uh, support uh, a lot uh, for Formula One here in the US, uh, where people got interested in Formula One. So I, I think uh, the sports... The sports scene is a little bit changing here in the U.S. due to changing in 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 the population and also due to um, better communication uh, in in the case of uh, Formula One and also uh, soccer or football. Okay, right, so but that's, let's so all these problems also led to. I just want to say that all, the, uh, all yeah. these problems also led to the uh, delays. Right, we had the delays, especially in spring that season, uh, and yeah, so that that also um, affected, uh, you know, the, the standings of some of the, some of the teams because you know you had to you had to prepare, and uh, the sort of the grid was completely different from what it was planned the previous year. Yep. And also what we discussed in a little bit in the last season, the um, differences between the factory teams and uh, the garage teams as they started or the normal racing teams. Uh, we have the last season where Alfa Romeo and Renault uh, participated as factory teams, uh, practically uh, only leaving uh, Ferrari as the last of the remaining factory teams uh, in the Formula One season. Okay, but so with this, uh, let's start. And as um, most of the times, we are in the south of the planet, starting off the season in uh, Jacare Paraguay, uh, near Sao Paulo, Brazil. Alan Prost uh, winning uh, before Michele Alboreto, and then third uh, position for Elio De Angelis. Interesting, and we discussed this in our special episode about French drivers at Ferrari. It was René Anous, the last race for the Scuderia Ferrari. Officially, up to today, it was never communicated why, so there are various speculations. Uh, if it was an injury, if it was personal differences, if he had a relation with the Enzo Ferrari's granddaughter. There are a lot of rumors, if you look a little bit in the internet, and we discussed this in our episode about French drivers at Ferrari. Yeah, maybe also, it yeah. was a little bit of everything. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a maybe a little bit, bit of, of all these reasons <laughs> that contributed. Um, yeah, we can, we can only speculate, but um, yeah, definitely there were a lot of rumors about yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. And Two new teams, uh, very uh, very small teams, but uh, uh, teams with up to uh, today have many fans. We uh, the German uh, Saxspeed team and the Italian uh, Minardi team. Saxspeed is uh, interesting um, because uh, similar to um, Ferrari, it's the only team uh, um, besides uh, Renault and Alfa Romeo uh, still in '85 who have their own uh, engine, so they completely produced, manufactured the car themselves. They not bought the Ford Cosworth as in the past or getting an engine from uh, one of the big manufacturers. Portugal. And uh, yeah. here's here's when the pole converted to the first place, right, by Ayrton yeah. Senna. And yeah, we. Uh, I think we probably need not not one, maybe two specials <laughs> about Ayrton Senna, um, yeah. because there is uh, not only the the personality itself, but also the analytics and all the and yeah. everything else uh, that follows with that name. 
So for now, yeah. we'll just kind of omit that and sort of just discuss the season. Yeah, we had yeah. also Michelle Aberetto in the in in the, the second place and Patrick Tambay in the third yeah. place. But yeah, I mean, uh, if you look at the um, uh, if you if you look at at the uh, uh, grid that we showed you at the beginning, uh, mm -hmm. you you would uh, you would see that uh, Ayrton Senna was on pole position positions a lot. And this was his uh, not only his uh, uh, pole position that was converted into win, but also his first uh, pole position uh, in Formula One. So and and victory, in fact, yeah. Exactly, and just uh, to finalize, we see uh, the first point, uh, the sixth position for German driver Stefan Belov who back at that time was uh, considered as one of the uh, biggest uh, talents in motorsports and in uh, Formula One. But also, tragically, it was uh, his last year as he had a deadly accident in the uh, Group C uh, supercars uh, as he had uh, an accident with uh, Jackie X, and which was uh, fatal uh, for him. San Marino. Uh, well, that's a, yes. that's an infamous race. Um, I mean, uh, I still remember it. I don't know, Patrick, if you do. I mean, this is a classic yeah. uh, because um, Elio De Angelis, uh, the guy who won this race, actually didn't lead a single lap during <laughs> during this this um, uh, race, and it kind of is an is an interesting thing because. Uh, you know, is it is it is it important to be good at every single um, lap, or is it to, is it important to be good or to be better? Sorry, is it is it important to be better than everyone else in, in every single lap, or, or, or majority of laps, or is it important to be better on average? Right. So <laughs> this is the case when we had the driver who was better on average, just just a little bit better. And um, yeah, so he he actually won this race. So that's that's like I said, a really infamous race. And unfortunately, um, Elio De Angelis died the, the following year. So this is uh, his last, I believe, um, uh, victory in Formula One, yeah. uh, if I'm not mistaken. But but I think I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if there is one more. But anyway, we may also speak a little bit more later about Elio De Angelis as he's mm -hmm. very uh, fascinating uh, driver. M many considered him also as the last uh, gentleman, as he was uh, also a very talented uh, piano player, for example. Yeah, I'm just I'm just going to check um, check about that. But yeah, I mean, this is like I, I just want to say that. I do. Everyone who is kind of interested in Formula One and in and in kind of analytics around Formula One mm. and what contributes to the victory, uh, I would like to really recommend uh, to um, to wo to watch this uh, this particular Grand Prix. It's absolutely fascinating. As always, Patrick and I encourage you to go to. Uh, appropriate sources <laughs> like yeah. FIA and other and yeah. uh, other YouTube channels where you can see official footage and uh, it's it's yeah it's absolutely amazing race uh, if you think about it you know that you know it's kind of like uh, like that uh, story about uh, the the turtle and uh, the, the rabbit <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm correct. So his last win the San Marino Grand Prix in 1985, and his last entry was Monaco 1986, uh, and I believe he he died uh, in uh, one of the um, um, training races. Yeah, so it was it was yeah, not I, the actual. I think it was just it was just uh, testing of the Lotus testing. team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was in testing. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, um, a brilliant driver. We actually need to yeah. discuss him uh, separately. Yeah, but but uh, I, I do recommend watching this race. You will not regret it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, speaking about Appleport uh, uh, sources, um, I know that um, the Formula One um, Abo, uh, which uh, 
There you can see the live races. They also include a big collection of classic races. So maybe you find it uh, there. Yep. Okay, then uh, just to uh, finalize the second uh, position for Belgian uh, Thierry Bautzen and uh, Patrick Tambe on the third position. And uh, we stay in Europe, uh, uh, Monaco, Monte Carlo, so another of the dwarf states in in uh, Europe, uh, San Marino going uh, to Monte Carlo. Uh, victory for French Alan Prost. Again, a very uh, positive result for Michele Alboreto and third Elio de Angelis. Yeah, Canada. Always, always Canada. intriguing because again, uh, it's a little bit like in um, in the spa. It uh, kind of yep. when it rains, it, it gets very interesting. And uh, yeah, we have Aboreto in first place here. Yeah, and uh, Stefan Johansen uh, who replaced Rene Anu in the, for the second uh, Ferrari on second position, and then Alan Prost on the third position. Then uh, we stay in North America, going down to Detroit. Uh, so at least one of the US cities uh, managed to get some financing. Victory for Kike Rosberg, then Stefan Johansen and Michele Alboreto. And Stefan Belov uh, reached the last points for the Cosworth uh, engine. Last two points because uh, Tyrell that year was the last team using a non-turbo engine, the Force Cosverse, because Ken Tyrell was very skeptical against uh, turbo engines in general. But nevertheless, uh, even he had to admit that there was no purpose to continue this Cosverse competing against the turbo engine at that time um, in Formula One. So. Then also Tyrell switched to the Renault turbo engine. Yeah, I just also want to say that uh, this is a very interesting race because it was uh, the slowest and probably the toughest race of the year. Because if you guys haven't been to Detroit, you should go. go. And this Basically, this circuit um, was extremely angular. It's like... Uh, Monaco like on steroids <laughs> you know it's, it really it really is very very angular and uh, it, it's it's very difficult to nav navigate and um, yeah it was a very uh, very tough race uh, between Rosberg and the two Ferraris uh, Johansson and Aboreto and uh, Rosberg really pushed very, very hard towards the end and won this race. Again, uh, I encourage you all to, to have a look at that. Again, this is like a, an example of a hard finish. And uh, uh, it's, um, you know, like we don't see Detroit very often, uh, especially in Formula One. So, the, you know, this is a great opportunity to see how angular can can, yeah. <laughs> can this game get because it, it, it is tough. Uh, it is tough that, that circuit. Yeah. Agreed. And uh, back to the old continent, uh, France and uh, Paul Ricard. Another victory. This time uh, for Nelson Piquet, well, the first one in that year. Then Keke Rosberg and again Alan Prost. Yeah, I think um, again this is a, this this is a cool race uh, because um, if you if you remember the um, uh, basically um, yeah what happened was Lotus failed to drop oil and rear tires and. Uh, uh, luckily, Ayrton Senna wasn't injured. And um, actually, when we will talk about Ayrton Senna, this is a very significant event because Ayrton Senna, until uh, very late in his career uh, in Formula One, thought that nothing could happen to him in a car. And uh, this event actually contributed to that because he um, you know, he, he had a very, like it was a very dangerous situation. So, um, yeah, again, very interesting race. Um, I mean, in generally, the season is quite cool because you can 
you can see stuff that you would not see like normally in a like standard normal race, not normal season where you know you have races that are very predictable. So it's uh, it's really really interesting. And also, uh, uh, if I remember correctly, in the qualifying, um, the uh, Braham BMW. Um, was um, uh, reached like a record. It was like uh, over 330 kilometers per hour. I think it was like 338. Maybe maybe I'm, I'm getting the number a little bit wrong. So it was very close to 340 kilometers per hour. And yeah, so it was very, very cool. Um, again, <laughs> so uh, again, very notable race that year in France. Yep. Mm -hmm. Let's switch over to the UK. And... UK, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really like Silverstone uh, and uh, going there is always cool. But uh, yeah, uh, it probably was even cooler back in 1985 when you could get closer <laughs> to, to the cars. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, if you just uh, see uh, this um, the, the photo, you see different colors, and also Formula One cars still looked a little bit more uh, different than they, I mean, different to each other than uh, they look uh, today. And we will see this, and we have from each car the, uh, the photos. So the Brabham looked very different than the Williams or the Lotus. Not only the colors, but also the the designs. Yeah, again, uh, here, uh, uh, again, very notable race. Um, so uh, we will talk a lot about Prost versus Senna, <laughs> this, <laughs> this, uh, this sort of duo. But this race, again, um, I remember it very, very, very vividly. So what happened was um, um, Prost basically dropped back, dropped back from mm -hmm. Senna to, to save fuel. Uh, but then, uh, um, basically, uh, you know, he uh, kind of pressed pressed on Senna, and uh, uh, Senna turned uh, the you know the the Renault engine turbo boost up, and basically he ran out of fuel as a result and retired from that race. So yeah. again, this is uh, um, you know this is one of those things when you. Um, you know, it's a, it's a strategically very important to to remain calm in these situations when, you know, you have a competitor who is thinking, you know, how can I get this guy who is really fast out of my way? And then yeah. he's using the strategic thing, right? So he basically, um, basically forced uh, Senna to make this uh, pretty basic mistake. <laughs> Uh, when he ran out of fuel and couldn't basically continue the race yeah yeah good point and with this uh, we're coming to uh, germany and uh, um, to Nürburgring again the first time since 1976 uh, but to be honest this is a complete different uh, Nürburgring it's not the 22 kilometer including the famous Nordschleife but it's a very small modern Formula One um, track now, only 4.5 kilometers. And uh, this for various reasons. First of all, uh, safety, uh, but also uh, to uh, support um, the uh, TV viewers because, and uh, the spectators at the track, because in a 22 course, uh, you only see them maybe every 10 minutes. So it's Great atmosphere, but a little bit uh, boring. So complete new racetrack uh, at the Nürburgring uh, victory for Michele Alboreto, Alan Prost, and then uh, Jack Lafitte. Interesting uh, story. Uh, we have here the first and the last time uh, pool position for Italian driver Theo Fabi. And also we have the first time that uh, onboard cameras are used as they are now common I think uh, every driver today has an onboard camera, but in the middle of the 80s, this was uh, pretty much a sensation where the, for the first time you could see the same as the driver sees to perceive the speed. So this was really uh, an evolution for the uh, viewers. Yeah, I just also want to say about that on that point on onboard cameras, um, that it was Francois Hesnot. Has, has 
uh, who had this uh, this onboard camera on a Renault car, and that Renault car was the third car for Renault. So it entered the race and. Uh, it was not eligible for points, for championship points. And um, I, I believe to date, this is like the first, um, uh, this is the the race, the kind of the only race where uh, a, a team entered three cars because like he was, um, you know, for, for to conduct this experiment with onboard camera, mm-hmm. uh, Renault was allowed to enter three cars. Yeah, very, yeah. again, very cool thing. And, uh, you know, something that didn't happen in, in previous seasons. And again, it showcases how Renault was experimenting with a lot of technology. Now we have cameras everywhere, everywhere <laughs> on the car, um, you know, hundreds of sensors, uh, many yeah. cameras on the driver and, and the car. And uh, uh, this was like at the, at the time was really groundbreaking experiment to put a camera on one car that car was not competing but was participating in the race so yeah yes and of course the picture wasn't uh, perf- didn't uh, wasn't perfect uh, i remember often uh, the connection got lost so you so well it, it was uh, just a testing and uh, but it really, I remember it was an evolution to see really for a first time live uh, what the driver is seeing. Yeah, so again, a very interesting race uh, in Austria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and um, it uh, basically, well, on the, on, in, on the one hand, it was kind of uneventful um uh, um, because there was a clear leader, McLaren car was like yeah. McLaren had a very fast car that season and uh, yeah. Prost uh, basically walked it. I mean, in, it wasn't very, uh, um, very difficult for him, for him. But um, um, if if we if we recall, there was a Ligier Noca uh, with uh, Andrea de Cesares, if I'm not, I think that mm. was the, the guy uh, who was in that car. And he crashed pretty badly. And uh, again, he practically smashed into the band and uh, walked uh, completely un- un- unscra- unscratched, uh, you know. So, uh, uh, yeah, basically, he wasn't hurt at all. And then again, yeah, I mean, this, this... was, uh, I mean, he was famous uh, for crashing, as, as you may remember. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I just think, uh, again, I just want to highlight that because when we will talk about Ayrton Senna, that his belief that nothing can happen, I mean, that that year quite a lot happened where like no consequences resulted from crashes. And this was, again, a very lucky escape uh, considering the that the car was practically, <laughs> practically um, you know, completely smashed after that. Yeah. Yeah. And besides this, uh, this was really the last race of a natural-aspired uh, engine until 1987, as Turrell switched uh, from Cosworth to uh, Renault turbo engines. Oh, I love this race as well. I mean, there are a lot of my favorite races in this, this year, yeah. because this is the race where Niki Lauda won by it was like a horse race. It was like by half a half a car, <laughs> something. Yeah. <laughs> because you know the you obviously like I said, McLaren had a very very fast car that season. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Niki Lauda, you know, being the uh, you know great driver and and everything, he managed to <laughs> to steal <laughs> the. Um, the the, uh, the victory from uh, Alan Prost was uh, extremely good that season, uh, obviously, and uh, yeah, so he he won by uh, it was yeah literally like horse race. You had to look <laughs> who was the first, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah. Besides this, a last of uh, last uh, here. Uh, First, the last victory for Niki Lauda, as he would, uh, he will retire for a second uh, time. The last uh, Dutch uh, Grand Prix until 2021. Uh, I mean, the reason, as you may think, uh, quite obvious, 
We didn't have any Dutch drivers, uh, so difficult uh, financing. And 2021, uh, thanks to uh, Max Verstappen and his success, we have this Grand Prix again uh, inside our agenda. Yeah, they just basically went bankrupt uh, and uh, yeah, they had to sell the space to the developers, um, mm. which uh, again, uh, you know, it's um, um, like like you said, Patrick, it's the drivers, but yeah. also the following, right? And then the sponsorships. And uh, we talked about, we talk about this a lot, like you can have the best car one season and the best conditions and uh, yeah. you know you're uh, like the country where you're from can have a circuit and the next year you don't have it because there's just not enough financial support yeah exactly and uh, today also it depends of, on the uh, general uh, strategy which have been going a little bit more to the east uh, going away if, uh, from the traditional european uh, races And uh, the last, last, uh, it was tragically the last race for uh, Stefan Belov as soon after he had uh, the fatal uh, accident in sports car racing. Again, a very cool race uh, <laughs> in, in, in Belgium. Oh, sorry. Yeah, this we will are, be Belgium. We are in, we are in, in still... Uh, no, no, no. Uh, we're still, so we're still, yeah, we're in Belgium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and um, I just wanted to say that that was really a cool race because it started in wet conditions. I mean, again, in way in Spa Francorchamps. Yeah, sorry, pardon if you are watching us. Uh, we have like a little bit of uh, typo on the screen, but yeah, yeah it's it, it's it should be in, in Spa, right? And. Uh, Uh, the cool thing about that race, and this is kind of the perfect uh, conditions for any for for any fan of Formula One, because yeah. it started in wet conditions and then it dried, which means that you know it, the, at the beginning the the cooler drivers had an opportunity yeah. to catch up with with superior cars, but then kind of it dried and it was really interesting um, interesting race. Uh, another thing that happened there, if I remember it correctly, was that um, Niki Lauda, remember he had in practice, he injured his wrist, so he wasn't competing, I believe. Uh, so he didn't actually, oh, sorry, he competed in this one, he didn't compete in European GP, uh, he missed that one. And um, yeah, and basically it was... Uh, Uh, you know, Sienna was uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely amazing here. Uh, he um, led the majority of the race, but then uh, he was we basically lost uh, at, like at the, the last <laughs> last minute. Um, and uh, again, this is a story of how you know you can you can be you can be leading the entire race, but it doesn't mean anything unless you come to the to the finish first. Right? Yeah. And then we go uh, to uh, Italy um, again. Alan Prost, Nelson Piquet, Ayrton Senna. So no Ferrari at the home Grand Prix. Uh, interesting uh, side note: we see the debut of the Haas uh, Lola team. So a team which uh, has been already in Formula One in the 1980s, and then later uh, in the 2020s uh, returned. And uh, we have them still on the track. Yeah, I mean, we probably also need to mention that this uh, race was supposed to be in Rome. Uh, and uh, there were really magnificent plans <laughs> how we're going to, you know, have race in, in, in Rome. But actually it wasn't. And instead it was... Um, Uh, in uh, so it it um, it was in in um, Brands Hatch. Uh, sorry, I, again, I'm 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 getting ahead of myself. We're in Italy, right? We are in Monza. Yeah, we are still in Italy. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'm just I'm already thinking about the European. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I, I I'm just gonna talk about the, that when we get to Europe. Um, yeah. yeah. And and uh, we already discussed it. Uh, now we have the uh, Spa. Uh, with the mentioned Ayrton Senna here in the Lotus, Nigel Mansell and uh, Alan Prost. Mm -hmm. 
and now the Europe. <laughs> yeah, now finally Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. And yeah, that's that's what I want to say here. That yeah, this race was supposed to be in Rome, uh, and yeah, it didn't happen. And uh, it was moved to UK, <laughs> which is uh, obviously not uh, not a great place uh, to go to go to compared to Rome, but uh, nevertheless was a very exciting race. Yeah, yeah and uh, of course it was from a logistic point um, uh, quite logical because in UK they always switch one year Silverstone, one year Brands Hatch, so they had practically both race tracks on the required Formula One uh, uh, level, so uh, an easy option if somebody can say in the last minute it doesn't work, UK is always prepared uh, to have a second race. Yeah, so I mean, um, uh, Ayrton Senna again was very uh, like drove, drove really well and uh, got ahead of Nelson Piquet and Angel Mansell. And um, yeah, I, I just also want to say that uh, uh, again, there, there was an iconic moment that you see in many uh, TV uh, footage, you know, in, in, in sort of uh, a lot of the um, uh, videos that we watch at the beginning of races. Uh, so there was a uh, so Aboretta's car, it uh, caught fire and he drove uh, into Ferrari pit uh, in flames um, uh, yep. so that, that that car was uh, was on fire. And yeah, a lot of times when, you know, you see sort of adverts for various uh, uh, TV programs on Formula One, you see that footage very often. Yeah, yeah quite spectacular. Well, luckily, yeah, Boreto was fine, so yeah, no one yeah. got hurt as a result. Yeah, as you mentioned uh, already earlier, it was really uh, Alan Prost a great year, great uh, drive, and of course, being also on the best car. So already here in Brands Hatch, he uh, ensured his championship for this year. Yeah. With this, we are going uh, to South Africa and Kulami. Uh, a lot of discussions um, around uh, this race uh, because 1980s, uh, you remember, we still had uh, apartheid uh, in uh, South Africa, and uh, more and I mean, more and more, uh, the international community uh, isolated um, the country because uh, of this and. Also, this had, of course, influence on uh, Formula One, for example, to protest against uh, apartheid, uh, Ligier and Renault, uh, both uh, boycotted uh, the race. Uh, Marlboro and Beatrice uh, Foots ordered their teams to remove their sponsoring as they not wanted uh, to be seen related uh, to South Africa uh, at that time. And also, it was the last uh, Grand Prix in South Africa until 1992 when uh, the country became democratic and uh, overcame um, the apartheid regime. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of controversy around it. And uh, um, basically, as a result, it, uh, you know, it was struck off the calendar, right? In yeah. 1986, uh, they, there wasn't a South African race. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, um, uh, you know, I I remember that that race only because Nigel Mansell was very fast. Uh, I think he was like two hundred thirty-five kilometers per hour uh, on pole. Um, but uh, of course, uh, you know, we had uh, um, again also very interesting. Um, very interesting race, and uh, uh, Alan Alan Prost actually ran out of fuel as well here, but but still managed to be on the podium after that. So again, yeah. like you know, if you run out of, of fuel, it doesn't mean that you uh, not you're not gonna finish. Yeah, that's right. Um, then last race, uh, Adelaide, Australia. Yeah, this is the first ever, right? Uh, first ever. For for those yeah. of you who are from Australia, this is the first ever 
World Championship Australian Grand Prix in Adelaide. Um, Adelaide is beautiful, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, it was uh, very, um, I think it, it, it was a kind of iconic moment for Australia because uh, it was the first ever uh, championship Australian Grand Prix. Yeah, they always uh, had been uh, interested. I mean, they had practically their Aussie uh, um, championship, uh, but finally they made it also inside the agenda. And up to today, a very interesting Grand Prix, a lot of fans uh, around this race. Yeah, and um, uh, so if you um, if you recall, obviously this was Lauda's uh, last Grand Prix, right? And he yep. crashed uh, uh, because uh, he had a brake failure, and uh, basically, um, um, yeah, it it, uh, it was uh, it, on on his last race. He kind of went with a bang, <laughs> we can say. <laughs> and um, Sienna also he had a, a misfiring engine and. Uh, Basically, he kind of re retired. Well, yeah, he couldn't compete um, with yeah. Keke Rosberg, who was very good. And uh, yeah, so again, very eventful. But I, I just, I'm just saying, like this season is really good for those of you who uh, kind of watch Formula One now. It's, uh, it, you know, it's. Um, I'm not gonna say boring, but it's less exciting than than this. Uh, and uh, if I really want to encourage everyone to watch the season, like in you know, basically in uh, the, um, uh, the historical footage of it, because it's really uh, a lot of the races were really really exciting. Yeah, and before we come to the drivers, as always, uh, we have a look on the cars, the technology. No surprise, uh, the championship uh, for the McLaren uh, tag team, 90 points, not that far away, Ferrari just eight points less, and then Williams, Honda, third position, Lotus, uh, Renault, uh, highly uh, related to the success of Ayrton Senna, Rebham, BMW, Ligier, Renault, Renault, so the Ligier team uh, better than the factory Renault team. Aeros, uh, BMW, Tyrell, Ford, uh, so the first part before they switched. And uh, then uh, Tyrell with the Renault engine also got nine points. And various teams uh, without um, any points, including uh, Osella, Alfa Romeo, Minardi, Motore, Moderni, Alfa Romeo, Ramhart, Zagspeed, Toolmanhart, Lola Hart, Spirit Hart, and... Uh, Minardi Ford, which uh, had been the Minardi team in the beginning of the season before they switched to the to their um, turbo engine uh, uh, provided by a small Italian company called Motore Moderni. Yeah, I just want to say that it's really it's always really interesting, and uh, you know the the season gets really heated and uh, exciting when we have. Uh, constructors so close together because we have uh, you know very little difference between mclaren ferrari williams honda and lotus mm -hmm. renault and at the same time these are completely different teams uh, you will see now the makes if you are watching us on yep. youtube or spotify and you will see how different these makes are and uh, uh, it's it's always exciting to to see when you know you have uh, engineering teams matching up to each other and really yep. the competition is very tight. Yep. So let's have a view on the cars. Uh, as always, we start with uh, the winning uh, constructor, the McLaren MP4 2B, so the second uh, evolution of last year's cars. And I mean, it looks like a classic uh, mid 80s turbo car very simple uh, design. So I think the beauty is uh, the simplicity, nothing what is not needed. Everything looks as working perfect uh, together. Classic uh, Marlboro livery. So really a beautiful car. Besides yeah, and fast. very fast, uh, yeah, very fast car. And we, uh, we, we saw how, you know, it helped. It really helped uh, on Prost. Yeah. 
to win the championship. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we have a short mentioning uh, tuck uh, uh, the engine uh, provider uh, since 1984. Uh, a little bit background story here. This is a Porsche engine. Uh, one Dennis from McLaren contacted uh, Porsche to develop a turbo turbocharged uh, engine. Porsche, not only a manufacturer, but also an engineering company. But at that time, they say we can do the job, but we are not really interested in uh, Formula One. So if you want us to do this, uh, you have to pay this. And uh, McLaren wanted to have a Porsche engine uh, and they looked somebody to finance it, found it in uh, Akram uh, Friese, who had a holding company, Tuck, uh, also known from uh, Watches. They financed it, and as they paid, they labeled the engine TAC. So officially, it was not a, a Porsche engine, but a TAC engine. Uh, if you see us here on YouTube, you see the big uh, TAC Turbo uh, logo, uh, but also small, uh, uh, smaller uh, Porsche one, who are who is the company who really developed and maintained this engine. With this Tyrell, the last team using the force, uh, Ford Cosworth, you see it on the left. Uh, from my point of view, a very beautiful uh, uh, design, uh, very small car, looking practically like an arrow. And with changing uh, to the uh, Renault engine, they had to use a complete different design, which honestly looks a little bit like a first try to do a a turbo uh, Formula One car, so not the beauty uh, of the McLaren, but something which looks a little bit uh, homemade. Speaking about yeah. the, it looks very the square. Turbo <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the problem was uh, mainly that it wasn't very aerodynamic. Yeah, and ultimately didn't want work for Tyrell that season. Yeah. Then the Williams uh, FW10, Frank William 10, uh, typical Williams uh, livery at, at in these years, yellow, blue, white. Mm -hmm. Quite uh, edge design. Yeah, very, again, very cute car. Um, not yep. probably as smooth as, as McLaren, but uh, yep. uh, very competitive as well. So, yeah, good. Yeah. Then the Brabham BT-54, a typical um, livery for Brabham. Uh, in the past years, they had always white and blue, dark blue from Italian company Parmalat. They switched uh, the sponsor, uh, but luckily Olivetti, also Italian company, had the same colors practically as Parmalat. So uh, the livery practically changed, uh, didn't change even if the main sponsor changed. Mm -hmm. I really, I really like the sky. Even though you know, I mean, it um, didn't uh, perform uh, as well as expected. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's um, it's a really nice design. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess it probably really suffered on ang like angles, right? Uh, and uh, yeah, that that didn't work for them that season. Very small team, uh, Ram, uh, the 03. A car. It's like, a, like, like cartoon car on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> but I do like the black, uh, uh, and uh, it's, yeah, it's black and white and green, and it's kind of cute. Yeah, indeed. Uh, it's cute, and this was practically the best uh, which we can say about it. Yeah. And uh, then again, uh, Lotus, uh, iconic uh, black and gold. Uh, yeah. Uh, thanks to main, sorry, not. And also uh, they changed uh, the main sponsor and the same as uh, we mentioned regarding Brabham. Uh, the black and uh, gold originally came uh, from uh, John Player Special, the uh, tobacco company. But also Olympus at that time had the same colors, so Lotus stayed with their iconic black and gold. Yeah, I mean, uh, this Lotus is Lotus. 
<laughs> there's nothing to Indeed. nothing more to be said <laughs> i mean especially in 70s and 80s yeah, yeah. very fast but missing reliability yeah and we uh, when we talked about chapman like you can you can find our uh, special about chapman like yeah. have a look uh, where we, patrick and i discuss in detail all the yeah. issues Indeed. Last year for the Renault team, for a long time, the RA60, 60, uh, a little bit uh, yellow as their, it's their traditional color, a lot of black. Must So black was quite in fashion in the middle of the 80s in Formula One. Looked fast, but not really wasn't that successful. Yeah, but nevertheless, so also, you know, very, very good car. Yeah, and yep. uh, um, again, uh, we will not see Renault for for many years, but then the comeback will be really, really great. <laughs> yeah, and finally they they will get, they will get their championship. Yes, and we will discuss in detail in Flavio Briatore, and then. Also, the sort of the demise of the team and Nelson Piquet yeah. Jr. and all this uh, um, controversy that was associated with, um, you know, team orders and uh, and all that. It, it's it's coming up. <laughs> exactly, and uh, a spoiler: this maybe already in the next uh, episode where we speak about Felipe uh, Massa. So not directly Renault, but we will discuss this uh, scandal there. Too. Yes, 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 exactly. So Flavio Briatore um, also will be a, a character, I guess, for our special. Exactly. I'm completely sure about that. Then next And you will probably see... you will probably not see much uh, many cars uh, in that episode, but a lot of models and <laughs> Flavio Briatore, a lot of uh, Flavio Briatore. Right. Yeah, if, if we get the license, you will see a lot of models, right? Yeah, that's correct. All right, so, yeah, so Eros. Eros, as you see on the photo, you may imagine a small team because they have hundreds of small sponsors, so they needed a lot of small... They use a lot of smaller sponsors besides their main sponsor, Berkeley Banks, DeLonghi, uh, for this, the, the design looks a little bit as, uh, I don't know, as uh, a car with hundreds of stickers, which you see something on the street. So not really a clear design from my point of view. Yeah, and not very fast either. <laughs> yeah. Tolman oh. uh, teach 185, a small uh, British uh, team. And you see their main sponsor, United Colors of Benetton. So uh, this car uh, was practically the uh, predecessor. The team was bought later by Benetton and became the very famous uh, Benetton team. At that time, Benetton was quite uh, uh, with a focus on Formula One because they'd been also the main sponsor of the Alfa Romeo factory team. The, the car, uh, I mean, the library, from my point of view, uh, is better, the, the better looking car, but unfortunately, it wasn't the, the faster car. One of the reasons I assume Alfa Romeo left, besides this, uh, as uh, um, uh, owned by the Italian government, uh, they not wanted to spend that much uh, money on uh, sports, but... It's, with this, we come to the other Italian uh, team, the Ferrari 156. Uh, we saw a second position in the manufacturing championship. So quite successful uh, year for Michele Alboreto and Stefan Johansson. Yeah, and I just want to, to emphasize here that um, if you again, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, on Spotify, uh, how different. I mean, this is also very fast, uh, very cool car. Uh, and yeah. how different it is uh, if we compare it to McLaren. Right? Yeah. Very different, but uh, also very fast. 
yeah so exactly and i mean this was uh, also one of the beauties of formula one in the 80s as the car themselves they look pretty much different from each other i mean not only having different uh, libraries different colors but really the designs have been very uh, different then uh, new minaldi with the m185 um, starting with the um, Cosmos engine, but then uh, switched uh, to Motore Moderni. And here also some words to the engine. Uh, this was an uh, Italian uh, um, engine manufacturer, only existed from 85 to 87. And it was uh, established by uh, Italian uh, engineer Carlo Kitti, who worked for Ferrari, ATS and Alfa Romeo and as uh, he became aware that Alfa Romeo would leave, uh, he started uh, his uh, own uh, company together with partners called Motore Moderni. Yeah, and we have a special where we discuss uh, sponsorships, uh, Italian yes. sponsorships, and we do talk about Minardi team there as well. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, Important uh, RTS, this is not uh, the uh, German uh, team, but uh, this was uh, the uh, team which existed only for one season uh, in the 1960s and included, uh, let's say, uh, rebels uh, leaving the Ferrari uh, team as they had been the famous work, uh, workout, uh, including former Ferrari drivers and former Ferrari engineers. Unfortunately for them, not very successful. So they just danced really one year. Yeah, you need budget. <laughs> not, not yes. People are important, but budget is also important. Yeah, especially in Formula yep. One. Yeah. Then the second newcomer, uh, Zackspeed, uh, the 841, uh, a very beautiful uh, car, especially regarding the livery. It was a little bit easy uh, to mix it up uh, with the McLaren, just speaking about uh, the colors. Uh, and this also because their main sponsor was uh, West uh, Tobacco. Uh, in the middle of the 80s, the uh, law uh, had been different country by country. In some countries, it was still allowed to have tobacco, um, uh, using tobacco library. And in some other countries, uh, it was uh, it started that you're not allowed to put in uh, the brand. So they had to camouflage it a little bit. I mean, you could assume that it does uh, mean West. Uh, later on, maybe the next year, they did something quite clever. They changed uh, West uh, to East. Uh, also interesting because of the uh, strategy, because of the opening of the Iron Current, a lot of the tobacco from the West went to the Eastern countries where people smoked a little bit more than in the West. So a quite interesting strategy. And West was practically a Me Too product. Uh, Me Too in the 80s means it was a copy of uh, a well-known brand. So the it, practically the West cigarettes, you may say, had been a copy in the image design of the um, Marlboro uh, cigarettes. So the cars looked very similar to McLaren from their colors. But on, on the track, they have been pretty much uh, apart, sex speed at the end, uh, McLaren right uh, on the top. Right. Here we see uh, the Lola has been used uh, by um, the Haas team. Due to uh, regulations, um, the uh, name of the car has to be the manufacturer. So if you buy a car uh, from Lola, you cannot uh, name it uh, Haas, uh, but uh, it was, uh, you have to name it uh, Lola. And um, and this is the reason why you see here the, the Lola TH. THL1 and not the Haas THL1. And but this is really now the last of the cars, and we finally speak about the people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, familiar faces uh, from previous seasons. <laughs> yeah. Alan Prost, uh, Kera Barata, and uh, Keke Rosberg. 
quite uh, iconic uh, drivers, uh, 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 two champions, uh, Keke Rosberg, uh, Alan Prost, and also Michele Alboreto, uh, always quite uh, near, but honestly, it's not only the driver, but also the car. So you have to be the fastest driver, but also you have to be in the fastest car. So quite easy uh, season, I think, for Alan Prost winning this uh, championship. Yeah, so that's the guy who gave him the biggest headache, uh, Ayrton Senna, yeah. <laughs> right there. <laughs> and um, Elio De Angelis and uh, Nigel Mansell. The picture Indeed. of Nigel Mansell is from later years, uh, but at the time... Yeah, he, he was, was 22. He was 22 at the time uh, of the season, yeah. but obviously yeah. not on the picture if you're watching us yeah. on, on YouTube or Spotify. Yeah. A little bit um, untypical for Lotus, as often they had been practically uh, one driver team. They had a second driver, but there have been a larger gap. Uh, Elio de Angelis uh, was uh, really a talented driver, so he was not that far away from Ayrton Senna. And that's why we have on the fourth and fifth position the two Lotus drivers together. And then uh, seven to nine, uh, Stefan Johansson on the uh, second of the uh, Ferrari, Nelson Piquet, and uh, finally Jacques Lafitte on the Ligier. Oops. Yeah, so we discussed a lot or... uh, today about, about behavior, but uh, yeah, yeah, I guess... Uh, Oh, uh, notable characters would be difficult to pick, uh, but uh, I will probably go with um, Alan Prost and um, and uh, Ayrton Senna. Um, yep. And uh, notable wins, um, yeah, I will probably go with Dangelis uh, win. Um, yeah, that season that, like I said, was pretty extraordinary um there were quite a few notable accidents like i said but um i will i will pick nikki lauda's uh, sort of you know uh, last race which where he basically couldn't finish it uh and um notable strategies um well that's an interesting one i i don't know what would be the who would be the really the winner or in 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 that category for that year um mm -hmm. with the best strategy um on the one hand it has to be um, it it has to be mclaren because they won but uh, yeah uh, there were a lot of interesting strategic moves um that season and a lot of controversy and budget problems so the teams had to navigate that space pretty carefully yeah yeah i think you have good points here so speaking about uh, the legacy of 1985 um, as we discussed a very interesting season uh, a lot of of changes i mean a lot of different um, winners different teams uh, also, we have the, as a legacy the first year where we have the onboard uh, cameras. It's uh, the first year where we had uh, all uh, turbo uh, field at the end. So really, turbos now completely replaced the natural inspired um, uh, engines, uh, which so will uh, we will ha we'll have this for the next uh, few years. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't, I don't know. I think uh, on the one hand, uh, it was of course uh, the year of McLaren, and uh, you know they 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 won. Uh, but also, it's kind of the rise of uh, the star of uh, Ayrton Senna because it was his yeah. first win and her, her, his first pole, 
uh, and uh, yeah, so I think it's the start of that uh, competition uh, between Frost and Senna, and uh, it, it you know it lasted many many years. So yeah, definitely a very cool season, and like I said, a lot of interesting races, very exciting races that. Uh, you will not be able to see anymore for sure yeah. so do watch the the footage exactly for the uh, good uh, and the bad uh, of course we also have to say uh, motorsports uh, had been more dangerous we lost uh, two drivers one uh, Elio de Angelis uh, inside a Formula One car and uh, Stefan Belov in the Group C uh, sports uh, cars which at that time I think had been even more dangerous than Formula One Okay, that's all for today. As always, uh, if you have not, uh, please uh, follow us here on uh, YouTube or on Spotify. Here you are able to see us uh, in video. If you only uh, want to listen to us, we are practically on uh, all platforms. So if you are in the car, in the train, wherever, and just uh, can listen to us, you have this as a uh, alternative option, even though uh, we always would recommend uh, to uh, see the videos as we try to share the images from races, drivers, and uh, the cars. Yes, and uh, um, as always, uh, we don't uh, um, uh, we don't claim that we know it all. Uh, so, if you have any yeah. comments or you want to add something, we're always uh, happy to hear from you guys. Thanks exactly. a lot, and we'll see you next time. See you the next time.